0: I sleep in on Saturday because I've got no plans beyond gaming with Seth later tonight after he finishes his shift at the sock store. I shuffle downstairs in my joggers and an old t-shirt, and after what I'll generously call brunch, sink into the living room couch and fire up my PS4 to make some progress in this one-player game where you battle massive robot dinosaurs in a post-apocalyptic Earth. Good morning and welcome to Sacred Reading at Brandon High School with the Patron Saints of Nothing. I am Miss Huff. I am so excited to be reading this book with you guys. It's definitely a hard-hitting one. Today I have with me Mrs. Peterson. So we're past the introduction now and into the first couple chapters of the book and there's a quote on page 10 that really hit me. I want to again use Lectio Divina, our sacred reading practice, where we Pick a quote, and then we discuss literally what's going on here in the chapter. Allegorically, how is this like another text, movie, event in the world? And then personally, how does it relate to us? And a call to action. What are we called to do from this? So, the quote on page 10, in about a third of the way down, it says, Instead, there's only a mild confusion, a muddy feeling of unreality that thickens when I consider the distance that had developed between June and me. How do you mourn someone you already let slip away? Are you even allowed to? So, literally, what's going on in the book here is that his father has just told him that his cousin is dead. He was in the middle of playing video games and trying to ignore what his father was telling him. He's on spring break his senior year. He didn't know anything was going to be important. And he just got hit with the news that his cousin died. We saw in the last chapter that his cousin was important and wrote him letters, but he felt guilty because he never really wrote back with regularity. And he let his cousin go and like stopped writing back a while ago.
1: And isn't that how it always happens? We're like back to you. You're in the middle of doing something. It's just there you have no clue there's no signs and you just hit with horrible news it's like it's always happens that way you're running errands you're playing a video game you're watching tv you're just going about Mm -hmm. day after day of your monotony of whatever happens and then you get slammed sideways
0: your world changes in an instant right
1: and it always happens that way
0: yes it does um (laughs) My personal connection, uh, yeah, I'll talk about that. (laughs) As we go through step two and we talk about where we see this in other texts and and in the world, I listened to another podcast that gave me the idea for this one called Harry Potter in the Sacred Text, because I'm a big nerd and I love Harry Potter. And the podcast talks about how, you know, in the first several books, it takes until book four before we really like experience loss and grief with Cedric Mm -hmm. dying. But in book seven, there's like death and death and death. It, and it's, the first death is so shocking. And it, Cedric's death it comes out of nowhere. You know, they're, like you said, they're winning a tournament and getting a prize. And all of a sudden, in a flash, Cedric dies. And it's right in front of Harry. And that, that changes Harry's world. And as we look at this in the whole next book, it's almost like Harry has post-traumatic stress. He, he gets angry easily, and he has problems expressing his emotion and processing it and is dealing with grief, and, and you see the trauma in him for at least the next book. Mm-hmm. So as, we think, as I think about that, I wonder how that's going to affect our character here. What's gonna to happen to Jay? When he tries to process the, the death of his cousin, who he loved, but who he was no longer close to. What about you? Where do you see something like this in texts
1: and the world? Well, and I think that's all the, what is it called, Buildings Roman, the, the books, the growing up and a representation, a fictional representation of what we all go through growing up. Like, I've, I've thought over the years, as death hits closer and closer to home, some people experience it early on, for, unfortunately. But probably most of us just aren't aware, you know, of great-grandparents passing away. And you think, we, you know, once someone close to you as you get older passes away, then all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, like the loss is so deep and, and makes you question everything. And then as, as I reflect on that, I think other people were dying around you. And the people around you have been hit by loss in so many different ways that as, as younger children and young adults, we're not even aware of because we don't even know what that is. So once you have your first real loss, it reminds me of the Scarlet Letter. Let's go there. Do kids <laughs> even still read that? I read it. You know, it's like once she joins that club and has to wear the letter, and that was a common form of punishment back in the day. If you, you were a thief, you wore you know, the different letters, public shaming. Mm-hmm. But once she, he describes Hawthorne in the, in the book, once she put the A on, it's like she could see inside other people you know it's like once once she was branded as because their reaction to her or she could see what they were hiding it just gave her a new insight Mm -hmm. into people that she wasn't aware of before because it wasn't part of her consciousness but once she joined that club so i'm making that connection it's like once something has happened to you that's very deep and scarring you have this new connection to the world that you didn't have before. And so it's the same thing with growing up. Once you've experienced a significant loss, then you start seeing the world in a different way. And you start seeing how other people, it's like, oh my gosh, my parents have gone through this. That must be what my friend went through. Like you just start understanding the world different in a new way. And and that's why my connection with the Scarlet Letter is like having to wear that letter gave her an insight into people who carry sins. Yeah. You know, in his case it's grief. And people who right. carry grief. So I'm interested in how this plays out. But it's definitely a, you know, got the coming of age aspects of it and and dealing with your first major loss. And you know, his description right after the the one you chose it actually, it's in I, the next paragraph. He says, but on the inside, I'm a plane with falling engines, mm-hmm. failing engines, failing engines. But that is so that that feeling of falling and the complete and utter fear and the shakes that you get in your body. That's, you know, in every loss I've experienced in, in the fear, that, that is an excellent description of your, you've lost all control.
0: Yeah. And you mentioned that, mm-hmm. you know, it just turns on a dime and your world changes mm-hmm. down even further it says june is dead his life has ended and here i am sitting in my living room on the other side of the world a can of coke on the coffee table playing a video game on enormous wall-mounted flat screen tv college on the docket right like what of that he doesn't feel like that matters anymore
1: right because you're like somebody died the world should stop Right. And we used to do a symbolic version of that by covering clocks in the house. Mm -hmm. You know, the families would go around and put a blanket or sheet or whatever over all the clocks. And it's kind of a symbolic version of that feeling we get when there's a significant loss. It's like the world should stop. Yeah. Because your world has stopped. Yeah. And then having to come to terms with the fact that the world moves on and so you should move on is part of that really difficult grieving yeah, process. when we
0: talk about the personal connection here, um, mm-hmm. I remember when my dad died, I was at work. i was <laughs> I was a peer evaluator, so mm-hmm. I was one of those people who came into the back of teachers' classrooms and took notes during a lesson to talk about it afterwards. Mm-hmm. So I had just watched a lesson and was sitting in the back of a media center downtown Tampa at Robinson, taking notes mm-hmm. um, and and looking through what had just happened. And my mom called Mm -hmm. and I, I answered the phone. My dad was in the hospital. Well, he was in a recovery facility because he had broken his back. Mm -hmm. And uh, my mom called and said, you need to get over here right away. Dad just had a heart attack. Mm. And I went from thinking about the recovery process and the fact that he had moved from the hospital into the rehab facility and going through physical therapy and was like trying and working hard on this. And and then he was gone.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I got in my car and by the time I reached the facility, they had already pronounced him. Oh. And so I was, I was just there to comfort my mom. Right. Um, and my sister got there and that too. And, you know, the whole family. But it did just change in an instant. Mm-hmm. I went from wondering about talking, you know, talking through the successes of a lesson and, and struggle points mm-hmm. and thinking about that to the fact that the man who was my caregiver was gone, mm-hmm. the man who, who I modeled a lot of the empathy in my life after mm-hmm. was gone, um, the man who I butted heads with all the time and, and thought was very stubborn, and, you know, and, and, mm-hmm. but he was, he was just gone mm-hmm. and, and the hole in my life was there. And you're right. You think about that process of grief and how to move on. And most of us in the family, you know, we took some time in a funeral and and we share stories and that sort of thing. But I also look at my uncle, my dad and his brother were very, very close. And I don't think my uncle has ever like uncovered the clocks in his life. Mm -hmm. He's still stuck with the loss and he can't see a way to move forward without my dad, and it's been six years, Mm -hmm. and we don't know how to help my uncle come back and celebrate Thanksgiving with us again, because it was right after Thanksgiving that my dad died. We don't know how to to get him to interact Mm -hmm. and do things with us again yet. Right. What about you personally?
1: Personally, you know, there's different types of loss. Unfortunately, we've, we've had quite a few in the last, I would say, five years but probably the first one i mean i'll just go through my grandfather i got a call at work he'd been hit by a car and killed you know it just happens like that in your whole world and and i, I would like like as you were speaking I, I thought of the word perspective too i mean it does because all of that stuff you're doing just falls away and you get perspective on what's important and what's mm-hmm. not and you, you see how fast it can change you expect there to be some warning but we just don't live that way we we live for life we don't so you're not thinking of that but then recently you know i had an uncle very close uncle my dad's brother and watching my dad go through that process i mean he has a pillow that my my uncle's my aunt his widow took all his shirts and made pillows for the Mm -hmm. family members so my dad keeps it on his couch and talks to his brother once in a while And because it was his big brother and they were only about 18 months apart. And so no matter what age, it's traumatizing to lose a sibling. And then, you know, my my father-in-law passed suddenly, got up, ate his breakfast and had a heart attack. That was about 10 years ago. But then in January of last year, my father-in-law, my husband's stepfather, um, I was here at work and got the call that he had had a stroke and was in the hospital and we all needed to go. Mm -hmm. And um, those kinds of things just you have to drop everything and go and all those things that you think are so important to your day aren't aren't they just aren't and um, and then you look at other people who are going on as if these are all important and you do feel like you're separated from others. You know, like... Don't they it, know? Yeah. yeah. And like, yeah, it's just a very isolating feeling. So that's mm-hmm. why I think it is important to be together with family and close people who you can mm-hmm. trust. And then, you know, my cousin just got diagnosed with um, stage three breast cancer. Mm-hmm. And it this connects the most with me because he's talking about a cousin. And we grew up together mm-hmm. uh, as first cousins do, you know, but then as you're adults and you have children and you work, you know, you kind of grow apart but she's still close in my heart, you know, mm-hmm. and I just went up there and I spent several days with her and we ran around and doing stuff, but then you do question, like, did I do enough to maintain the relationship? You know, I didn't return that call or, yeah, you know, so I think, you know, what he, he's hinting at some loss in their relationship where they're not as close. I mean, obviously June lives in the Philippines the Philippines so I mean there's just a whole country apart and there's Mm -hmm. not you know the reality of that is obvious that you can't stay in close contact when you know it probably takes two weeks for a letter to even get there but it's like did my dad know you know
0: I right he he and I were both very stubborn and we had some opposite views and so it's like we did argue a lot right and the same kind of thing here it's like but did he know that what was really
1: important
0: right that the whole reason I was arguing was because I cared, you right.
1: know, and yeah. And, if, and so, yeah, I mean, I haven't called her up and shared the, de- we haven't called each other and shared the details, the everyday mundane stuff of our mm-hmm. lives, which is important, but she has her, she lives in Georgia, I live in Florida. If we live closer, we would, but we get together several times a year. We catch mm-hmm. up if she needed anything. Obviously I went up there for spring break and spent several days with her shopping and acting like everything's, somewhat normal while she has no hair and is having symptoms and you know and it's like we're in this mindset that she's going to get treated and everything's going to be all right Mm -hmm. so and that's other thing when people when somebody does pass and and people might say was she sick or was Mm -hmm. he sick and it's like well it didn't matter whether they were sick or not you still don't expect it right and you expect them to recover right you expect them to recover. You right. expect them. With you know, my you dad, you expected mm-hmm. your dad. He was in therapies, recover, mm-hmm. and then you know. And some people say that bothers me so much. Well, well, he had been sick. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, no, he you was didn't going really to have a warning. There's never a warning. It's never. It never hits you less because right. someone had been sick or someone. You know, it's mm-hmm. still a significant loss. So that's just a warning to everyone. Don't don't ask people if. Well, had he been sick? How old was he? Yeah. Oh.
0: Especially in this time. Yeah. You know, and as we think about our call to action. Right. The, the how to be empathetic and, and right. how to let people
1: grieve. Right. I think this book does an excellent job of just, like I said, explaining that feeling of mm-hmm. helplessness and loss and then not knowing how to process he talks about mimicking his dad
0: yeah and do you even have the right to mourn someone who you already let go of right
1: that you haven't been close to in years but you were and I think the answer
0: is yes that if your heart hurts your heart hurts and what should you ask especially with with COVID and things you know the podcast I listen to has decided to let listeners Mourn in a very specific way They are collecting names And like mm. little brief things And at the end of each episode They're listing people You know, We'd like to remember Sal Who was a baker and a grandfather oh. And June who was. And it's just right. that much But it's just this tiny little moment To realize that there's a life that's gone And the thing that I love that they do it Comes from the Jewish tradition Apparently They don't say I'm sorry for your loss Because it's a huge loss and there's not, there's not really a way for me to know what you're missing. Right. What they say is may your, may his memory or may her memory be a blessing to you. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And I think about that and I think about the, the stories that we did share with my dad, Mm -hmm. um, you know, at the funeral and, and that's the, the stories that make you smile and the way that you make the person live on is in what they did and how they lived and, and what he did for me and what he taught me is a blessing in my life. So I think as we look at people going through grief, I wanna remember that so many people are dealing with so much grief that I don't see right now. Right. And when people act out right now, I have to remember just like Harry in book five, mm-hmm. sometimes it's because they're dealing with things that I don't see.
1: Or Hester Prynne with a yeah. scarlet A, to, to have the insight and in the eyes to see beyond yeah. whatever pain, beyond the, the artifice, the acting out, to the pain that's beneath it.
0: So I think we're all processing pain right now, and I want to remember that. I want to sit with people in their grief, if I can, and mm-hmm. just say, you know, I'm here, and may their memory
1: be a blessing mm-hmm. are there are there memories you can share you know and i've been talking to my students a lot about stories mm-hmm. and like why do we read stories well stories are are the connections we make in life it's it's they're essential i mm-hmm. sharing memories sharing stories you mentioned stories mm-hmm. i mean whether they're oral or written stories are are what it's, connect us it's it's that's life it's what makes sharing you human the stories yeah stories make you human so sharing this story is essential to all our stories
0: I'm interested to see what Jay finds out about June's story as we go yeah. on
1: too right because he's definitely hinted at some at wanting to go and find out the so story some, some things and his confusion he said and, something
0: about mm-hmm. June running away mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there's some And they've trauma already there. said,
1: you know, the way he died, it wasn't, it's not our concern.
0: And there's not going to be a funeral.
1: And, and no funeral.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: We've had a lot of
0: that recently, though, for different reasons. Mm-hmm. Well, I think this book has a lot to teach us about honoring lives and moving forward and how to live beyond grief and with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I don't want to say enjoy, but I'm, I'm glad that I am reading this. And thank you for talking
1: with me about it today. I'm glad I I sat and did this. It was nice to sit and think about this book because I'm definitely intrigued also. And like now that we've talked, I have a thousand more questions, (laughs) so it's hard to stop.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So thank you guys. And um, please feel free to comment on the discussion board on Canvas, on the Media Center page. Send in a message and we'll play it in one of the episodes or fill out the Google form and tell me you want to be on an episode. All of that is on the Media Center Canvas page. Just click on One Book, One School. Thank you for reading along. Have a great day.